Hey friend, welcome into a bonus episode that is incredibly dear to me. It's my pleasure to welcome for the first time actors to the podcast. Andrea Summer and David J. Driscoll, stars of the new film Between Mercy and Me, are my guests today. Imagine Entertainment says Between Mercy and Me is an original music drama penned with the hope of encouraging honest and raw conversations regarding race, racial division, and stereotypes, especially within the evangelical church. Jubilee Cast says the film is set to challenge societal norms and spark honest and raw conversations around sensitive topics, including race, gentrification, and interracial dating within the evangelical church and beyond. I say I absolutely loved this conversation with these two brave, honest people as I continue to learn about racial inequity and the things I can do to be an agent of hope and healing. I am so grateful for their teaching. Friend, we need to be having conversations, listening to music, watching movies, and reading books that help us grow in our understanding of each other. Thank you in advance for listening today. Let's all take the risks we need to take, set aside our pride and things we think we know, to listen to the voices of others who are doing what they can to create positive change. Let's listen in. Welcome in, Andrea, David. Welcome to the Steady On community. It's so good to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I am Thank excited. You. you, Yes, I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm excited to learn more about the project. I'm going to pose this to David first. Can you just give us like, what's a synopsis of the film? If nobody has ever heard of Between Mercy and Me, what's a little synopsis? And then I'd like each of you to talk about your character in the film. Um, pretty much the basis of, of this movie is about racial reconciliation um, and about how, so I play Hugo. Um, I'm the lead uh, Hugo in this in this film, and he is a worship leader at church. But he's also very involved in his community, and he sees the changes happening in his community in regards to gentrification. Um, he's he's not ignorant to the racism that is going on in the city. So um, that's really what it's about. It's really about racial reconciliation in the faith based community within the church. And also having the conversations outside the church. Yeah, good, good. Andrea, how about your take on the kind of the synopsis of the movie and tell us a little bit about your character? Sure. Um, I play Mercy and Mercy meets Hugo kind of over the common ground of being singer songwriters. So they're both musicians. So even though they live um, and attend church right around the corner from each other, their worlds are very different. And um, but when they start to collaborate over music they find some common ground there and it gives them insight into each other's world and um for mercy especially going into it you know she's very naive to mm. what his experience is like and how different it is from her hers and but she's all you know she's all in she's she's just excited and eager to to connect and to collaborate. So she doesn't have the same kind of hesitations or barriers that Hugo has. Uh, and, but he slowly like, you know, welcomes her in and then it develops into a relationship and, you know, they have some challenges to face um, with each other's families and churches and all sorts of things. So yeah. are the churches that you're working in, in the, in the film, when you meet, racially integrated at all or are you coming from yeah talk about that just a little bit like where you're coming from um it's really so 
Hugo's church is a predominantly black church. Mm-hmm. Mercy's church is a predominantly white church. I mean, there's really no integration. And I think that was intentional because um, Sunday during church hours is the most segregated time in America. So, um, yeah, I think we really wanted to pinpoint that uh, that narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? I'm just curious. I didn't pose this question to you ahead of time, but either one of you, whoever wants to jump in, why do you think that is? What I, I know it's it's a complicated. There's, there are complicated reasons for why that hour is the most segregated in our country. But a couple of things that come to mind, maybe for for you, David. First, why do you think that is? Um. Well, we we go all the way back to slavery time. Mm-hmm. I mean, when slaves were brought here, and we, you know, my ancestors weren't allowed to go to church mm-hmm. at first. And then they were allowed to go to church, but they had to go with their slave owners. And then they had to sit at the top of the stairs while their slave owners sat at the bottom of the stairs. And then once um, slaves became free, um, they began having their own church because that's they didn't trust white people. They didn't trust their slave owners. Um, so they started building their own communities, building their own denominations and um things like that. Uh, and that's what built the black church is. Um, and I think that's the reason why you still see separation today. I mean, a lot of white people don't trust black leaders. A lot of black people don't trust white leaders um, for all different, for various reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I think the foundation of it all is it goes all the way back to uh, to slavery. Mm-hmm. What? Any other thoughts about that, Andrea? You know, I think about just the ways that even though I grew up in predominantly white churches, I think of the things that separated even then, you know, even just styles of music would cause separation. Whether you're going to take communion on Saturday or Sunday caused separation. Like reasons to separate, unfortunately, uh, in the church are not hard to find. And those are significantly less important as <laughs> complete racial separation and segregation, you know, completely less important. Um, and I think, you know, b- being in a place of worship, like you need to feel safe to be able to yeah. connect yes. and you feel welcomed. And if you don't feel that, then why are you going to be there? Yeah, I love that. The uh, whole, oh, go ahead, David. Oh, I was going to say, I remember Andrea and I, what was great about our time together, a lot of the times we were supposed to work on music. We actually was just having a conversation, an honest conversation. And I mentioned to Andrea, I said, it goes beyond the black and white church, right? So you have gospel music and you have CCM, which is just another term for black and white. You have uh, the, the Dove Awards and you have the Stellar Awards, another black and white. And so you have all these things that are covered with titles, but at the foundation of it all, it's still, you know, yeah. black and white. It's still yeah. about race and things like that, which is why you see certain networks for really black people, because back then we weren't even allowed to be on these certain networks. And to this day, it's still hard to be on certain networks. Like you have TBN and you have the word network. 
TBN is really for white people. Word Network is for the black audience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, separation even within the faith-based community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think those, I think those distinctions, those separations are so important to call out too, because I think we can miss it. I can miss them. I I can miss them. And I, and I really appreciate that because it, it like, I can feel something in me just kind of rising up and be like, he's right. He's absolutely right. And I don't think about that as much as I need to. And so I appreciate that. And I like so much what you're saying about David, you were talking about maybe we don't trust the leadership and Andrea, you were talking about safety. And I'm such a firm believer that the Holy Spirit um, we as leaders, church leaders, ministry leaders, we need to be creating safe environments for the Holy Spirit to work because in, unless we can like let our guard down, mm-hmm. we can't trust the, even like the calling of the Holy Spirit. And so we as leaders have this, like as worship leaders, as pastors, right? We're, what we want to do is just create an environment where the Holy Spirit can work. But how are we doing that for the people that are coming into our faith communities? And I think that yeah. it's a question we don't ask ourselves enough. And I believe there's, a lot of people, a lot of pastors, I would say, they want a multicultural church. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're pushing for. Mm-hmm. But I believe that there are there's a level of truth that a lot of pastors need to and leaders need to come to realize that maybe you have a certain bias towards CCM and towards people who look like you and things like that to where other people don't feel really welcomed or yeah. don't feel at home because you haven't created an environment that really makes them feel like they can be at home. I think, and I the, think go ahead. And and I believe if, if you believe there's no such, but there can't be a multicultural church, then can you, my question would be, can you really believe in heaven? Then? Yeah. Cause heaven's multicultural. Yeah. Yeah. And you really can't say, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done mm-hmm. in earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. That's multicultural. Right. So, right, right. Um, and I'm not saying you have to please everybody because you never will. Yeah. What I'm saying is if there's people to be celebrated, celebrate them. Mm-hmm. Make them feel at home. You know, the most multicultural thing you can do in a service is through music, it's through worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if that's not your, because I've, I've heard, there was an article that came out and there was a white woman who said gospel music is too uh, aggressive for her. And it was just like, well, I've been in service where there was CCM and gospel. And it wasn't even about the music. It was about the heart of the people who are worshiping. Yeah. And no matter what the song was, it was really about Jesus at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what you're talking about too, what you said about being at home when you were talking about the leadership, I think, integrating a church or having a diverse church so much goes to the leadership of the church. Because if we have leaders that look different, then they will speak to different things that different people need, I think, in order to feel safe. Right. And so if you go to a church, even if you see some people that look like you, but all the leadership doesn't look like you, then how is that then yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I can say what I'm trying to say very well, but I think you're it's saying so, it. Okay, no, <laughs> I you, think you it's so it. important yeah. to, to have a diverse leadership. Otherwise, that sensitivity or that knowledge is not going to come down in a way that the people can feel and receive. I think, though. So, yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a word that I had to look up actually when I was looking at your press kit and all that kind of stuff about the movie, and that was gentrification. I didn't know that word, and so I looked it up and I understand wow. it a little bit more now. But I wondered, David, if you would speak to um, the others who might be listening that aren't familiar with that 
word? Um, to break it down to like elementary school talk. Yes, that's really what just, I needed. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's when these rich corporations, usually ran by a white man, um, sees a underdeveloped place. Um, we use the term urban areas um, that could be potential for a financial increase in that, in a community. Um, what they'll do is they'll go in and buy up all these properties and they'll buy up all the land and they'll push the people who already have community there, black people, black and brown people who have community there and have homes and have jobs in these areas and they'll push them out and they'll rebuild and make them nice luxury homes or a nice car garage or things like that. And um, it's really about money rather than about investing in the people of the community. If you see potential in a place, that's cool, you know, but don't push the people out. Get to know the people in the community. Get to know the people who have lived there and have families there and who work around there and see what their thoughts are, see what their feelings are. And if you want to build, give these people jobs too, mm-hmm. you know, but don't don't just push them out because it's about money. Yeah. Yeah. And we all know the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's what it really comes down to. Yeah, it does. It so often does come down. And I, I think I have been so guilty at times of being excited about something called revitalization, right? Which is actually yeah. not revitalization. I mean, it might be from one perspective, but it's actually what you're describing, uh, gentrification, yeah. which is actually pushing some people out to invite people with more money in. And um, yeah, and so I just think it's so important to call that what it is. Andrea, how do you feel like this film can help break down some stereotypes in the evangelical church? Um, How do you feel like it can encourage some like honest conversations about racial divisions and stereotypes in this implied bias that that we're talking about or implicit bias? Sure. Um, I think empathy is a big part of it. I think this, uh, it was really important. for us in making this film that there's not um, sides, there's not a bad guy, good guy, there's not um, enemies, there's just people. There's people with different experiences, different opinions, different perspectives, and no one's doing it perfectly. But uh, in the film and dialogue, there's conversations modeled about talking about racial division and you see the conversations go right and you see when the conversations go wrong. Mm-hmm. So really just modeling, hey, when it's approached this way, you might have a better shot at connecting with the person you're talking to. If you approach it this way, here are some of the things that are going to get in the way. Uh, so really, it's just opening people's eyes to what someone else's perspective might be and hoping that they see themselves somewhere in the film. Uh, for better or for worse, and they feel like they have a sense of direction for taking positive next steps. So I think a lot of people going into it might show, shy away from the like, oh, wait, this movie talks about race Ugh. because they're expecting to either be called out, pointed out, blamed, whatever. And that's really not what happens in this film. And that's really not the aim whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's truly just about listening to each other and better understanding each other. So empathy, 
Empathy is key. If everyone grows a little bit in empathy and watching this, then I think that's how the barriers come down for sure. How about you, David? What do you see as um, how this film can break down some stereotypes and invite conversation? Um, I think it breaks down stereotypes of, of voluntary ignorance. You know, it's just because uh, there's no way you can turn on your TV or turn on the news and not see that something racial has happened in this country. And so my question to all the people who say they don't see it or they're saying stuff like, well, it's not happening around me, so it shouldn't, it may not really exist. Just because it doesn't happen around you doesn't mean it's not happening. Um, and I believe that the conversation really should start in the church. Um, it should start in the homes. And if you are someone out there who is, you know, a white person, a non-person of color, and you don't have any people of color in your life to ask these questions, you need to start there and look in the mirror and figure out why don't I have friends, colleagues that are people of color around me? That could be a clear sign of of your of your bias. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then ask the question. Why is that? Yeah. Why do I have this racial bias? Why do I only want these certain people around me? Um, because I think what what I really want people to take away from this is from this film is to stay curious. I think we've lost as a human race, we've lost our curiosity because we just want to be right all the time. Um, but I think curiosity it makes you ask questions. Yeah. And the more questions you ask, the more walls you tear down and the more answers you get. And you can't afraid to be wrong. Yeah. Yes. I I am getting over that fear of being wrong or fear of doing it mm -hmm. wrong. That has been a s slow unfolding, I think, in my own personal life, because I want to have these conversations. I want to encourage these conversations. And I'm scared to do it wrong. And yet I finally have really just felt this like, um, nudging of the Holy spirit to say, um, not, not, I'm not going to let you do it wrong, but that if you, if you approach with curiosity, if you approach with love and a genuine desire to learn the chances yeah. that you're going to do it wrong are pretty slim. And the chances that people will love you through you're doing it wrong are pretty high, right? <laughs> like, Absolutely. And so I guess I just want to say that as encouragement because I don't have these conversations because I'm not, um, because I have arrived in some way and I have this complete peace that I'll never do anything wrong or say something, you know, <laughs> I just, I don't, ha I don't go into these. I go into all of these kind of conversations with some trepidation, but they're so important to have that I've mm -hmm. come to a point that it's worth the risk. Maybe is that the way to say it? Right. Yeah. Um, because I think we have to be having these conversations in our churches and in our faith communities for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's, Absolutely. I think it's important to call out to what, what you're risking, you know, what you, what it, what you feel like you're risking, mm -hmm. um, what you're actually risking is just your own comfort yes. and maybe perception of who you yeah. are or yeah. your reputation, like those things. Mm -hmm. It can feel like, um, you know, when we just say risk, it's yeah. like, Ooh, scary. 
But if you break it down into like, well, what am I actually afraid of risking? Like, what am I actually putting on the table here? Yeah. Uh, what am I putting on the line? And it's just those things. Yeah. And those things aren't worth um, sacrificing connection. Like they're just not worth it. Mm -hmm. That was a conversation that uh, I had to have early with the writer director. It's just say, hey, I have to, I have to be 100% transparent or I'm going to be anxious this entire time. <laughs> Yeah. about saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. Um, just telling them, Hey, I, just like you said, like I'm worried, I'm, I'm afraid and pre pre ashamed. <laughs> I'm afraid of what you're going to see in me that I don't see yet. I don't even see it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. so mm -hmm. all I, what I had to do was just give him permission from the get go, please call it out. Yeah. Like I'm giving you permission mm -hmm. and access to who I am because I know that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And in my heart and my intentions are good, but if my intentions aren't matching my actions, then what's the point? Yeah. So just being transparent from, from the get-go, just saying, Hey, I know that I don't know how to do this. And that's what you see in my character for sure is she is just fumbling her mm -hmm. way in a good direction. And I love sometimes that. that's all you can do. Yes. And that, those are steps necessary to take. Um, because what a, what a devastation for, um, for other people to see and recognize that, Hey, you're choosing your own reputation or perception of who you are or comfort over connection with me. Mm -hmm. And that's just so that, that I think is like the deepest kind of rejection. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we really, from a humility standpoint, it's like, who cares what you look like? <laughs> who cares? Something much more important is being sacrificed. And so yeah. um, connection first. Yeah. I love yeah. the fumbling her way in the right direction. I love that so much because I think for me, one of the things that I've come to, to decide is my greatest hope is for people be, to be able to say she gets it wrong sometimes, but she sure tries hard. Like she's sure trying. She's sure trying. And I, and you know, and you can, hopefully you can see that and that, and that the motive, as you say, Andrea is, is coming through. So um, from each of you, just as you've learned more about having these conversations and how important they are in faith communities, if the listener is saying, I, I don't have any idea where to start. I agree. Um, but what is one thing, maybe a, a, an encouraging thing that you can say that, that this is a way to start inviting these conversations or start not turning away from them, anything that's maybe on your heart to say, this is something I think that's a good place to start. Andrea first, maybe. <clears throat> I'm going to say, go see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. I'm yeah. say, go see the movie because, yes. <clears throat> um, you know, for a few years, you know, that our team put so much time and care mm. into crafting this for that very reason. Like, love it. let's give, let's address, let's, let's tell a love story. Let's create a safe place. Let's um, put music in there, which is a universal language. Like there's so much intention and care put into this project for that very reason. Let's give people as many handles as possible to engage in something that otherwise might be too uncomfortable to step yeah. into. I love that. Yeah. Go see the movie. Yeah. Yes. Go see the movie. Anything else, David? Um, I'm going to just piggyback off of what Andrea said. Go see the movie, but also do something after. I mm. challenge you. Yeah. Go have the conversation with your friends after the movie. Um, have a little small group. Yeah. Um, 
And if you are not comfortable having, if you are a non-person of color, if you are a white person and you are not comfortable having a conversation, have someone who doesn't look like you in the room so they can lead the conversation. Um, and just be open and honest. And and that's the first step to us just moving forward yes. as people. Um, and like we, we talked about risk. You got to take a risk. Yeah. Everything nowadays is a risk. Yeah. And but it's a leap of faith. Yeah. I mean, and so, yeah. yeah, I challenge everybody after the movie, have, have, go have the conversation, have a conversation mm-hmm. and be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ask, I think what has happened in my life is that as I've prayed about this issue over the past some years, um, I have prayed, help me see the doors you're opening right? Because if you, if this is something that really God has laid on your heart and it, it is because it's, it's an issue for all of us, h- ask him to help you keep your eyes open for the doors. He is opening for these conversations, yeah. for these relationships, for the learning, because he is providing opportunities for us to grow. I believe yeah. that with my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been delightful. Um, hard, a little hard because it just, it, <laughs> it invites us to look at ourselves in a way that, as you said, we would like to probably just stay ignorant of sometimes, right? That voluntary ignorance you talked about before, that was really good language around that. But I'm so grateful for the work that you have done. And the movie friends is called between mercy and me. It's in theaters on June 20th, only select theaters. Well, do you know, will it be available after that anywhere or do you know yet? Depend, it depends, depends on, on how, how it goes. The first night go. Depends on how it goes. Okay. All right. So do not count on it. It was in select theaters on June 20th only. The website is betweenmercyandme.com. Anywhere else you would, and I know at the website, you can put in your zip code and you can find where it's playing because I've already done that. Um, any, any, anything else that you would like to call to action or anything where else you'd like to send the listeners? Uh, just come follow us on our, our socials between mercy and me. That way you can stay in the loop on, um, you know, the, the times leading up to the showing and then what happens afterwards. Okay. All right. And all of that stuff, friend is linked in today's show notes. And one more time, David, Andrea, thank you so much for serving us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. And friend, thank you for listening until next time. Peace. The hardest moment for me in this conversation was listening to David talk about the segregation in our churches and without hesitation, linking that all the way back to slavery. It wasn't the answer I was expecting, and I was embarrassed that I didn't already know the answer. And I appreciate him teaching me that. My favorite moment in the conversation was when Andrea said her character was fumbling her way in the right direction. That beautiful language gave me permission to keep trying, keep learning, and keep showing up. Between Mercy and Me is in theaters on June 20 through Phantom Events, and you can find theaters in your area showing the film at the Between Mercy and Me website linked in today's show notes. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would follow the podcast on whatever directory you're using to listen. It only takes a second, and it guarantees you'll see new episodes, including these bonus episodes, as soon as they drop. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.